Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis. In the past, the Newfoundland and Labrador household had to be versatile in order to survive. People made do with what they had and turned old objects into new items. It's a centuries-old tradition of adaptive reuse and creativity that continues today. On October 26, 2017, I sat down for a chat at the rooms with two of Newfoundland and Labrador's crafty recyclers, Trent Hardy, mat maker and owner of Waste Not, Want Not, and Ruth Green, artist and rug hooker. Trent Hardy founded his braided mat making company on the principle that we should not be throwing away materials that can still be used turning old fishing rope into modern floor mats. Ruth Green's hooked mats have been exhibited in the Arts and Letters Competition, the Bonavista North Museum, Gallery, and hang in private collections across Canada. We talked about the tradition of reuse, reinvention, ropes, rags, and rugs. Good. Well, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having us again here, here at the rooms. This, I think, is one of my favorite uh, parts of my job is to, is to get to come to the rooms and have chats with really interesting people doing fun things. So, uh, as Joyce said, this week, all week long, there's been, a, there's been a conference here on adapting heritage that's been organized by the Heritage <coughs> Foundation. And, and we're kind of looking at, at tradition and how tradition changes and, and moves forward, how we keep traditions alive and we invent new traditions, and, and how we do new things with old things. So uh, I knew when we were organizing the conference, I wanted to have a chat with uh, some rug and mat makers. It's an interest of mine. And, and, and I know that this is an old tradition of, of, of reuse and recycling. Um, and it's a tradition that continues to evolve and kind of go in new ways. So we have two crafty recyclers uh, here today. Uh, Trent Hardy uh, on the end here is the owner of Waste Not, Want Not. Um, and he makes amazing recycled mats from, uh, from old fishing twine. And Ruth, Ruth Noseworthy Green, a uh, good friend uh, to Heritage and myself uh, for many years, who is a, a mat maker, a, a hooker. So we're delighted to have a hooker here with us today. And we're gonna talk about this tradition of, of, of uh, recycling and reusing, which has kind of always been a part, I think, of how Newfoundlanders have worked and, and done things. We're going to start with you. Uh, can you just explain a little bit about about your mats and and where they where the idea comes from and how you got started? Um, okay. Well, uh, basically, this is a smaller version of my mat. Uh, it's made out of 100% um, uh, upcycled uh, crab rope in this case, uh, and basically, it's it's a design that you kind of find up all up the east coast of North America. Uh, you can see it in uh, you know the uh, Maine, uh, all the eastern states, uh, Nova Scotia, they all have a, a pretty good tradition of, of doing these. Um, I actually only, I found out about it um, after having heard about it from Nova Scotia. There was one person uh, back my way, which is out around Port of Basque, who used to make a few of these for all his friends and family. Um, but the way I found out about it was actually my uh, missus, her mother went to Nova Scotia on vacation. And uh, she came across these, and she knew that I was kind of big into recycling and upcycling materials, and so she kind of showed it to me. And, and at the time, I was just said, "Well, you know, it's grand, but there's no Newfoundlander that throws away his rope in such quantities that you could do this, like really." Um, and then a few years ago, I started in the crab fishery and found out that 
actually there are a good few Newfoundlanders that throw away a lot of rope. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we just kind of started making these uh, as a as a you know friends and family kind of gift. And uh, when we ran out of people to give them to, we started selling them. Long story short, um, I spoke to my father about it, and he actually when he saw one, he just called it a boat mat, and he told me that, you know, the odd time you would get a fellow that would make one of these to throw in the bottom of his boat. But other than that, I hadn't heard of it until, you know, Bernice went to Nova Scotia and told me about it. Really? So, uh, can, can you talk a little bit about the process of getting the rope? Where do you get it? How do you get yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I pull it straight out of a landfill. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, unless I can, you know, intercept some from a fisherman, and I have done that a few times. Uh, one guy was actually good enough to drive a, a truckload in to me from, like, Bonavista, and just, you know, he sold it to me for a small price. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, I'll just run to a landfill, and uh, guys will just be dumping, you know, large quantities of this stuff, and I'll just take it, throw it back toward my truck, and come on with it. Right? So, so what kind of condition is it in when you, when you get it? Pretty much like that, pretty now. much, yeah. I, I don't do a lot of, of uh, changes to it. Sometimes I'll, I'll kind of just run a blowtorch over it to change its, you know, get rid of some of this hairy stuff and, and change the color a little bit. But it pretty much, you know, gets how, whatever condition it's in, I sew it right into a mat. Yeah. yeah. And you've been keeping track of how much rope you yep. use. Yeah, so uh, as of, well, the end of September, we had, we started in May. Uh, of 2016, so we're about a year and a half in, and as of the end of September, we had about 20 kilometers of rope um, oh. upcycled. Uh, so we, we actually, on our little website, we had this little Google Earth image where we just kind of started at Cape Spear, and we just said, we'll see how far up the road we can get. <laughs> and we're in the Goulds now somewhere, right? So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're making fast run for Bay Bulls. That's our next, next stop, right? Yeah, so a, a lot of a lot of materials come out of it. Yeah, and, and I was I was talking to you about where you where you learned the, this technique, and you learned it in a very very traditional yeah. 21st century manner. Yeah, 100% internet. Just, <laughs> went, you know, spoke to my father about it. He said, "Yeah, I don't know how it's done," and uh, I said, "All right," and I just kind of jumped on the internet and found it really quickly, and you know, went from there basically. And that loom over there is is the basic design. It's a really simple process, and uh, yeah, it's really cool, actually. Yeah, and so how many different types of mats are you making right now? Um, well, we, we stick to pretty much a standard one, which we have one back there, and it, it kind of looks like this. Um, but we, you know, we, we also do like a Labrador flag one, uh, where we just kind of like glue a little spruce bow onto the corner of it, and we also do like a Republican Newfoundland one. Um, in the spirit of recycling, there's always like a little bit of scrap material left over. We actually save, you know, pieces this long and we'll weave that in. So that's our little scrap mats that we, we sell the odd time. And uh, we're also uh, looking at doing a, a kind of one, I, and I'm calling it jelly bean rope, that's the name, where we kind of just come up this way with a, a bunch of different colors to kind of resemble jelly bean roll. So four or five different kinds. We also, you know, I mean, we're, we're open to all kinds of suggestions. We do like those braided Celtic knot mats and stuff and, and you know, pretty much anything. But that one back there is, is our standard. And the reason being is um, we try to take a, a conservation approach to it. Um, so our whole thing is we 
price everything cheaply to make these things move so that more rope comes out of the landfill and that design back there is really quick. So that's why I always kind of push that one. Yeah. Right? Great. Yeah. So Ruth, I, I want to talk to you then about uh, your kind of recycling habits and how that's integrated into your, mm -hmm. your art and craft. How, how did you get started as a rug hooker, first of all? Uh, by volunteering for the Newfoundland Museum in 1995. Uh, down on Duckworth On Duckworth, and the great three children were doing mat making. And I said, hey, they can do it. I can do it. <laughs> and and hence. Yeah. 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 And then I joined WI in St. Phillips, and some of the older ladies encouraged me. Right, yeah. Women's Institute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And, um, I've been at it ever since. Right. And so this is some of your work that's uh, up behind us here. Yes. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, that process of reusing objects and reusing materials? I like to, uh, if I can, find old church windows or windows that have a story. And I know where all of these came from behind me. Yeah. And um, this is Ireland's eye. So we have this, this is the Gothic window over... From the church. Yeah. And that's the church the way it used to look. And it doesn't look like that anymore. It's been chainsawed, mm -hmm. um, unfortunately. Um, this one here is uh, probably the oldest frame. It's the, from the six, the six pane. Yeah, window. it's from Grigas. <coughs> the church up on the top left is actually my husband's mother's church, which is now gone. But we found some old windows in the basement of the hall, and they weren't sacred, so I have them. This is from the the funny shaped one. Is from a place called Fortune which is outside the harbour of Grigget. And the Catholic Church, we haven't been able to find out the name of it, gone, but we found the uh, window in the steeple that was toppled over, so the window was on its side. So when I decided to make a mat, this is the view from where the church was. Right, so you kept it I kept it the way view. we found it. Yeah. 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 And there's some aspect of recycling every one of them. Right. Um, the backings I used to hang the mats on are bed sheets that you can get at second-hand shops. Right. It's the cheapest fabric you can buy anywhere. Um, I even used my husband's jeans for putting the mats together. And <coughs> all the clippings I have, all the scrap wool, I keep it. And this is actually the stuffing for the little pillows that go inside these. So nothing is thrown away. And these are made of blankets. And I do terrible things to beautiful blankets. I chop them up. And uh, I use them in the poked mat. And you can see there's one in the works over here. You can try later on. Uh, this was an accident, this bouquet. I had Louise Belbin's mat. Louise was a mat maker back in the 70s. And I had her mat, and I said, I'm going to see how Louise did that now. So I cut up some wool blankets. And when I finished it, when I took it out of the frame, it all curled under. So I said, oh, I have a bouquet. So the bouquet pillows. And these all wool blankets, and, uh, which I find where and whenever I can. And now, a, a lot of your, your mats are, are you use wool. You, mm -hmm. you, you purchase wool and then use it. But uh, the tradition of, of rug hooking and mat making yeah. ha has kind of always been about recycling and, and reusing bits of material. Um, years ago, the ladies made ragged mats that are poked mats, but they used, once fabric, uh, once clothing was no good as clothing, they kept the clothing to make rag mats, and they were to wipe your boots on when you came in the door. 
But I wouldn't want anybody to do that with this. <laughs> I wouldn't be very happy. Now maybe this is a question for, for both of you. Growing, growing up, like, uh, how common was it for people to kind of make do and reuse things? Very. Yeah. If it was no good for a quilt, then it went into the floor mat. Right. And my grandmother kept a big bag, a rag bag, tied onto the back of the kitchen door. And that was recycled clothing that used for scrub cloths or... And so was there, was there someone in your family who was always reusing old things? Yeah, yes. Like I say, fishing family. So, I mean, Javex jars. I mean, there's nothing more <laughs> useful than a Javex jar. That's as far as I can tell. Yeah. Use them for little lobster boys and, and for scooping out water out of the boats and stuff like this. And, you know, fish pans for, for growing vegetables and just about anything. Um, you know, when I was growing up, it was like the 80s, basically. So plastics were around a lot. And you'd see, I mean, this is just this durable material that you use it once, and you just find another kind of use for it, right? So, but yeah, Javix jars were. Just, <laughs> I always go back to that one, because uh, for scooping out the boat, you know, scooping water out, there was never anything better in my mind, right? It just fit to your thumb really well, and I just thought they were great. <laughs> yeah. Were there other things that people reused? Well, I just remembered when we were down north uh, in Grigget, we had a cook-up on the beach, fish and brews, and uh, we didn't have forks or anything. So the men just got some pieces of wood and carved out little spoons. Yeah. And that's what we used. And yeah. we, still, we still have them at home. We still use them. Yeah, there's a real yeah. culture here of kind of making do with what, you, with what you've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I want to ask about your designs. Where do your, where do your designs come from, from your head? Yeah. And what are you inspired by? A lot of things. Um, the second that over, my memory map from Harbor Grace is a childhood memory from when I was about four or five years old. And uh, this was my great aunt's house, and that was my bedroom. The dresser and the bed, actually, we still have those. And uh, I thought, I want to do a memory of that, waking up really early in the morning from the sound of the motorboats going out the harbor. You never got out of bed to look at them, because you, that was a feather mattress. So, you know, that was comfy. So, uh, and the wind would gently blow the curtain. So it'd be nice to have a fan here. And underneath the curtain is the view. So this is paint hooking fabric that took me two days to find in the secondhand shop in St. John de Brunswick, and I managed to get the seniors discount for it. And <laughs> a photograph. So that would have been the kind of curtain she had in the window. So I had to get the right kind. It had to be right. Yeah. Even though she's not around anymore to tell me it was wrong. But that's pretty well, pretty well what uh, she would have had in that bedroom. Now, this, this long horizontal mat, like, mm. how long would it take you to, to do a mat? I like think that, that took a winter. A winter. But the Kitty Vitty one took three years. Kitty, right. The, because, the very detailed one. Yeah, if you look close up at that, all the cliffs are really, really hard to do. So I go down to my friend's house and take pictures of the cliffs, and then I sit there and stare at them, stare at them, until I got to the point where I said, I think I can do it now. Yeah. But it took a long time. Trent, how long does it take you to do a mat? 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No skill required. <laughs> you were also saying that you're, you're starting to do like, things like dog toys. Uh, yeah, like yep. yeah. Um, we, yeah, we started experimenting with knots and stuff. Uh, so we do like a monkey fist for a dog toy. And uh, I, I got to talking to my father about uh, this kind of stuff. And one he mentioned was actually how they one time would use um, rope for boat fenders and bumpers and stuff. So we're actually, I got a little small model one over there now that I just put together last night and we're trying to look at it in terms of for a dog toy or 
like Ruth said, a Christmas ornament is, is one. Right? But yeah, so we've, we've started working with that. Um, but yeah, our, our mats take maybe between a half an hour and 45 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and who are your customers? Who buys your stuff? Um, well, we sell a lot to vendors. So our first like actual <laughs> vendor was the Rooms Gift Shop uh, back in, I think, about December last year. Um, when Kelly actually approached me and she was the first one that actually said, yeah, we want to buy your mats. So they're available on your way out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they've been really good to me, just to, just to put that out there. Um, and we also sell to a couple other vendors, uh, Bees Knees downtown, and uh, we have the Country Corner in Brigus. Um, and other than that, I, I do a bit of private sale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been doing. And you've, you've really done well. a couple like uh, like shows where you've had. Yep, done yeah. a few shows, and we got a couple coming up. And, and I'm curious, what what is the reaction of people when they when they see your stuff, when they interact with you at a show? What do they what do they say? Uh, they, they really like them, yeah. and uh, yeah, they just, you know they just really like them. Think it's a really cool idea, and a lot of people just say they've never seen anything like it before, and yeah, it's, it's all positive. And yeah. then I get a little bit preachy and start talking about the environment, and they walk away from me. <laughs> We have a captive audience here right now. Yeah, don't yeah. get me started. <laughs> well, I will, I will get started because, like, how important is that to you? You know, as someone who's worked in the fishery and like that kind of idea of environmental stewardship, like, how much is that kind of a part of what you do? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's really the, the core thing for this is is you know trying to give something back to the environment anyway. Uh, so yeah, and it's something I've always kind of been interested in, I've always tried to be upcycling materials, finding ways to, you know, reduce our, our impact. So yeah, this is, you know, a core belief for us. And uh, again, I've, I've said there are a bunch of companies that do this, a similar product to this. And I think what really separates us is that um, we lower our prices so much. And we do that at least in part because we want to move these things. And, you know, like, I can make one of these for, you know, in half an hour, put it up for $40, $50, $60, $70, and someone will eventually come along and pay for it. Uh, but if I just keep the price down, then I'll get 10 people to come along and pay for it. So, you know, it's more work for me, but it also, you know, pulls more to the landfill. So You're getting closer and closer to day both. Yeah, time. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But yeah, I... I when you talk about the shows, I do tend to get a bit preachy, so just move on. You have been doing more teaching and, and education around demonstrating. Uh, demonstrating yeah. 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 And what is the reaction uh, when you're out? I, you, I know you've done stuff out at Kill Devil and you've done kind of artist in residence kind of uh, events. Battle Harbor, Battle Harbor. Uh, Point of More Lighthouse yeah. this summer. And what do people say to you when they come up and see what you're doing? Uh, one word wow. <laughs> Yeah. They, they like the big ones. Yeah. And everybody wants to buy Kitty Vitty. And uh, one man asked me if I shipped to Ontario, and I said, no, I'm not selling them yet. So, no, people like them because uh, I think most people appreciate the amount of work that goes into doing a mat. Yeah. I can't do one in 20 minutes. No. Or I wish no. I could. Yes. Uh, you know, I crank them out, but I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's more about the, the, the vision, the artistry for you, and the memories. Yeah, the memories. Yeah. And um, um, remembering places that are now gone. I've done a lot of places that we no longer have here. Yeah. Uh, my great-grandfather's house. We live on there. Yeah. 
Now, now, for people who might not be familiar with, with how a hooked mat is made, can, can you basically just talk us through the, the process? Well, this is... We're going we're gonna to do some demonstrations in a minute, but just if you can walk use, us through it. For the hooked mats, I use um, yarn, all wool, because I prefer wool, and I have a hook, and you hold it like a pencil, and you work with two hands. This hand is underneath your mat, and you're hooking the the uh, wool up through the burlap. Just a little tiny loop, like this. And all this that I've done here, I can whip that out in like two minutes. So if you make a mistake, you can just pull out and it's gone. It's gone. And if anybody wants to get vengeance on you, pull out one of your mats. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you do with the, uh, the hooked. I also do poked mat, which is this here, which is in the frame right here. And you work upside down with that, with strips of... Uh, this is really work intensive because you have to take a beautiful blanket and cut it into little pieces that are this long. So I've developed some really interesting bumps on my fingers from the scissors. But this takes a long time to make. Yeah. Uh, and even to actually poke it takes a fair amount of time. Yeah. So the difference between the poked mat and the hooked mat is that the, 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 the material in the poked mat is kind of... It's individual pieces. Yes, yes. Right, that, that, that the ends are what poke out and make the design. And you use a prodder, which is there on... Can you reach that for me in there? Oh, I can get... Oh. oh. Which one? That, that's it. Thanks. This is a prodder, just a wooden piece of wood. And you put a hole in your burlap, and you poke one end of your fabric down that hole, and then you make another hole next to it, and poke the other end. So you're making a loop. The loop is upside down. You're working upside down, but I'll show you that after. It's, it's easy to do, but it's hard on your hands. Yeah. And then the other kind of mat I do is a braided mat, which is tied onto the chair over there, so people can try doing that. And that little, that piece of fabric over there, see how long it is, translates into a little mat, braided mat this size. And again, there's a lot of work in that, because you have to cut all your fabric strips then you have to sew the edges so they don't fray. And then you have to braid them. And then you have to start hand sewing them all together. So again, that's a lot of work. And there it is. That's how long it is. And how big, how big will you make those mats? Uh, well, I, I just made these now for demonstration purposes. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> these can be little coasters if you want. But I've made one this big for my granddaughter. And, uh, I remember my auntie had, had one in the dining room, like quite, a, quite a large braided mat. And that would have taken quite a bit of work, yeah. let me tell you. Yeah. And uh, there's how big it is. Yeah. So, Trent, can you, can you walk us through your process? Like, how do you just descri describe how do you, yeah. how do you start? Um, sure. Well, that's the loom. Um, it's, again, it's, it's really straightforward to, to make one. Um, you basically just start at the bottom of one corner and you just weave back and forth between each of those broomsticks uh, until you get your mat to, you know, say the depth that you want it to be. Uh, then you actually just uh, run the rope back down through the broomsticks, pull them out and replace them with the rope. It's very quick and simple. Uh, we do color shifts uh, basically by cutting the rope and uh, welding it. <laughs> Might help. So, so your tools then are the, are the, the loom, yep. which is two by fours and broomsticks, yep. basically. Yep. 
And a blowtorch. And, and a blowtorch and a knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. It's a very simple thing. Yeah, so they're both kind of low tech in a way. You know, like they're they're kind of done. Like you were talking about the tools that you, that you were using with, which is like a, the wooden poker and and the the awl was quite often made with a like a bent nail. Uh, yeah, I, um, Gary actually made me a hook with a bent nail, and I didn't. It's like running nails down a blackboard because it wasn't stainless steel and it would squeak on the burlap and I stopped using it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this, this frame I have here is a second-hand store find. And I think it was probably $5, was it Gary? Yeah. And I saw that and I grabbed it and ran. I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm using my mother-in-law's frame that's 40 odd years old. Right. But these are, this is the old-fashioned way of doing a poke mat using the frame like this. And not many people I know use this method anymore. They all have the fancier things with um, like nails around the edge and you stretch your fabric over it and just, I like this. Mm -hmm. Because you have a work surface. Yeah. So what is your, what is your next project? What are you, what are you planning out? You're, you're, uh, you're working on this mat here. This is Battle Harbor because we're doing the Labrador Arts Festival. So right. I thought I should have a Labrador image to take with me for the kids to, uh, to try hooking on this. Um, I'm doing a big one of Woody Point. Um, and Gail Tapper is going to help me with that because the hills and the mountains have to be just right. If they're not, I'm in trouble. So I'm going to let you know. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I'm doing that one. And also I'm doing... Um, a nice one, I think, I hope it works out, of the performance space at uh, Cape St. Mary's. Oh, you the, know that big red window? Where the, at the Bird Sanctuary. Yes. yes yeah. And the first time Gary performed there, sheep came and were looking in the window. So I'm going to have a couple of sheep down and looking in the window. <laughs> <laughs> and Trent, so, what's, what's, your next, what's your next project? Uh, you're, you're making some mats that are slightly larger than, than this one here? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're just, uh, again, we don't, we don't really have projects. We're just making them as fast as we can, basically. Right? Uh, we have a. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh. Questions. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to know: Is it just you? Or oh, yeah, it's just me. Just you. Yeah. Uh, it's room to expand. Oh, everything with me is we on the company, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you almost think I'm royalty, right? But yeah, no, everything is we, 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 right? It's always me working alone. Yeah. And, and if people want to find you, how do they how do they track you down? Uh, yeah, we're on uh, Facebook. Uh, we have a, a web page. Uh, our business cards are actually, like you say, we have some stuff down in the rooms, and we have business cards affixed to it. And I'm still saying we, I understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and you can pretty much just Google us, and, and we'll come up pretty quick, right? Um, but yeah, with regards to projects, uh, we're just doing a few craft fairs now coming up for Christmas and we're still just supplying the rooms, supplying bees knees. Um, we are, you know, developing a few products, but honestly, um, I'm so kept so busy with these that I haven't had to really look at innovating yeah. any more than I am. Eventually people will lose interest in these, I expect, and then I'll move on to the next thing, but <laughs> yeah. uh, flower baskets, that's my next one. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I just had a thought for how you could use one of these too. If you get stuck in the snow, put one of those under yeah. your tire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you could, um, Good grip. These were actually uh, made as uh, for Kelly as reflexology mats, and I don't know much about reflexology, but apparently a reflexologist came into the gift shop one day and told Kelly 
or someone at the gift shop that if you just stand on these with your bare feet, it's a good sensation, I guess. All right, so when, we, when, when we're doing demonstrations, we'll have I'll one try. of these set out, take up your shoes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so you're heading off to Labrador very soon? Yes, in mid-November. Mid-November for the Labrador, the Creative Arts Festival. Yeah. Where else will you be appearing? Because I know you're always teaching and doing little events oh, here and there. It depends on how many calls I get from emergency hookers. <laughs> Ruth was an emergency hooker for me at one point. I, I, had, I had a hooking emergency. I needed a last minute I needed a last minute hooker. Yeah. And I knew exactly who to phone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much uh, for your stories. Thank you. <laughs>